ഫിലോസഫി വി ഹാവ് എ വൈബ്രാൻഡ് ഫേസ്ബുക്ക് ഗ്രൂപ്പ് ആസ് വെൽ ആസ് budding author groups and uh, reader groups everywhere so please join us and be a part of the very meaningful conversations happening celebrating the same and today we we have a guest author kaninika mishra so welcome a very warm welcome kaninika guys uh, kaninika mishra born in jamnagar gujarat and grew up in different parts of india she holds a bachelor's degree in homeopathic medicine and arts as well as a master's degree in management from queensland university of technology australia and east carolina university us kaninika has worked in the financial sector of india for several years and now heads learning and development uh, i know it's her area of passion uh, in a leading communications firm in gurgaon her best selling book the indian millionaire next door published in 2012 contains inspiring accounts of the professional journeys of top india's top financial advisors and has been translated into hindi and tamil so kaninika warm welcome again and today we are discussing kaninika's recent book the indic quotient it celebrates the journey of 24 entrepreneurs who are reclaiming heritage through cultural enterprise so the blurb of the book reads this way over the past decade india has seen a significant rise in both passion for, passion for enterprise and pride in heritage that is one uh, the combination that i guess we are seeing only in india uh, kaninika and with the two converging to form successful ventures and imaginative social initiatives centered around indic areas i have to agree there because we uh, are a civilization that has understood the natural cycle of uh, srishti sthiti laya before the rest of the world could even grasp the word sustainability which has become uh, you know pretty much a buzz word uh, these days so in indic quotient kanimika mishra celebrates the effort of ordinary indians as they reclaim their native identity with ingenuity form a team of economists working to put long forgotten millets on urban indian plates to a group of art enthusiasts attempting to bring back stolen artifacts from museums abroad from an investment banker formulating ayurveda inspired beauty products to a former engineer working to revive 
traditional textiles in Assam and many more with intimately told stories of dynamism and entrepreneurship the book tries to examine the relevance of traditional wisdom and culture in modern india and what they mean for india's economic future and soft power what they mean to you me and every indian and probably every global citizen across the globe so kanika uh, a warm welcome again thank you and tell us more about you and what made you undertake this journey of going through these unique journeys thank you sai sarupa it's a pleasure to be here with the indic book club and talk to all the the members uh, in this uh, vibrant community about my book uh, my journey began um, around four and a half five years ago and uh, the interest in uh, indian heritage uh, began uh, like several people when um, i was grappling with a certain minor health issue and i turned to yoga and turned to uh, ayurveda and i realized that there was so much happening in this area my perception for towards a yoga changed when i started going to a class and i i i live in gurgaon and it's a very urban cosmopolitan place and i did not expect to find so many committed young people who were in the class working uh, practicing yoga and along with it they were so open to a uh, holistic medicine towards uh, khadi towards uh, using home remedies and the whole lifestyle seemed to me um, a very different from what we assume in a very urban and a very very uh, modern cosmopolitan city and they were they were people like you me and they were just uh, so uh, eager to use parts of their heritage now uh, around that time around 5 6 years ago also from the government there was this push for make in india there was this uh, uh, idea to revive cultural aspects of uh, uh, our past and i found that there were so so many of uh, um, so many entrepreneurs who were uh, working to uh, with the such ideas especially you know with the the ayush ministry the international day of yoga and all these initiatives were coming together and it was like a social movement the more i dug into it the more i read about it i could see stories in mainstream economic newspapers like economic times saying the growth of khadi products the sale of khadi products has gone up and i could see um, a lot of uh, people starting yoga chain of yoga studios some very fancy some still small scale and i i started thinking of this as a movement which i thought it is uh, and uh, i just grew from an idea that i thought i will cover some uh, something around yoga because i was benefiting from it uh, and it just started getting gathering more and more things as i started discovering so many parts of our heritage which i thought were now getting uh, back into uh, the mainstream uh, so the unique thing like you said about our culture is that uh, we are a lived civilization we are a continuously lived civilization we are not relics of the past we have not died out like some of the indigenous cultures and so um, we may get uh, a little uh, lost sometimes we but we will not forget that turmeric is good for us so we may not use it at our homes 
but even the most urban, most sophisticated, most uh, um, uh, westernized Indian would know that turmeric is good for health. And, and that is, I think, something that is so deep within us. It is so much of a part of our lives. And that is why it has sustained, you know, our whole culture has become a part of our everyday life. And I found that uh, with the, all the new initiatives that were coming up, it was getting back. A lot of people who had forgotten, maybe their grandmothers uh, used to use certain food products, some health the foods, and they were, they, were, they were forgotten, but they, the familiarity was there. And there were these individuals who were now bringing it back to them in a packaged form, easy to use, um, maybe in, a, in marketing it in a more cool way for young kids. So I, I think that was something that I wanted to discover and uh, write about. Uh, so that is where this whole thing started. That's wonderful and uh, I must say soulful also, something coming from your experience and uh, which you transformed into a whole journey that uh, you know became this beautiful book. Right. So Kanimika, because you have basically made uh, wonderful use of your uh, uh, knowledge of the financial sector and of you know uh, about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship economics and uh, merged it with your area of passion uh, that is you know the cultural uh, heritage right and in many uh, traditions across the globe there is a certain decoupling between uh, principles and what, what they hold as ethos mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from commerce yes right and in india we have this very unique balance uh, probably because we are again that uh, one unique uh, civilization which celebrates dharma artha kama moksha at the right time, at the right phase of uh, life of an individual. Yes. Yes, yes, so, uh, what account, what according to you, uh, you know, uh, separates an indic enterprise from uh, a capitalist enterprise, for the lack of better word? Okay. Yeah, that's a very interesting question, and um, the answer to this was apparent to me when I spoke to several people, uh, interviewed several people engaged in um, this uh, uh, common uh, endeavor to revive or uh, reclaim heritage. And I found that the starting point from where they were beginning was very different from the motivation for a regular entrepreneur. So in all of these people and you know everybody I spoke to, the first thing that they, and I will give you an example to illustrate this, uh, somebody who was starting, uh, who has uh, built a big business around the Ayurvedic based cosmetics, his first uh, uh, idea to begin it was when he visited the Himalayas and he started seeing the Ayurvedic herbs there. And he was uh, uh, overwhelmed by the fact that the little farmers, you know, who have small land there, they knew so much about these herbs growing in their backyard. 
and the fact that they were so important for the sustainability of that region from an economic point of view and that motivated him to get make these products and sell them so the starting point was not a marketing idea and across you know most of the people that i've interviewed for them the starting point has been uh, one of um, uh, reviving the heritage one of building something that has community impact something that helps people so even the textile i have covered in my book the whole textile initiative everybody that i have spoken to who are trying to work in this uh, handloom area they are driven by this huge thing of preserving heritage to and helping communities who are doing it so how do you preserve an art form you preserve an art form by ensuring that the community which is doing it has uh, is getting sustainable income and is able to meet their needs and that itself becomes a social enterprise so the whole uh, concept as far as these uh, uh companies these organizations are concerned is one driven towards a mission and when you have a mission which is uh, beyond uh, uh, money because you can make a business you can start any kind of shop and make money but for them it's a mission for preserving for promoting for uh, enhancing something that is a part of our heritage so the starting point itself is i feel different from uh, the other uh, you know purely business uh, endeavors business enterprises um but i must add that uh, the method may be a little different so i have uh, uh, you know in my book covered uh, a, a company a group of people who are working with small farmers who are growing indigenous crop you know the millets like the ragi and uh the bajra you know there are those uh, indigenous crop in each area and they have been uh, a part of a staple diet before the green revolution came and you know everybody started eating wheat and rice we all had different grains now this company they don't want to get into venture funds they don't want to get uh, um somebody investing and the reason they don't want it is because they don't want to uh, go away from this mission where they are promoting small farmers so they very clearly you know they say that we are not ready to sacrifice a social idea our social uh, aspect of our business for funds so we will continue to put in whatever we can in terms of effort or bootstrap our business uh, in order to meet our goals which is the triple bottom line it is not just uh, profitability it is planet it is people and it is profit so you know that uh, that is one aspect the other is very new age digital startup in ayurveda very open to funding and very open to different rounds of funding but this entrepreneur he has started this ayurveda digital platform out of his personal experience of benefiting through ayurveda when he had a problem and he found the access to doctors was difficult so he started this digital platform and he told me you know he went in for funding he got his second round of funding it's uh, it was great huge but he comes from a small town he has been a share cropper which means he is not even from a land owning family from bihar and he says i understand that how people are uh, underprivileged in many parts of india so i use that money not to move into a big swanky office i'll continue with my small bare office i'll increase salaries that's what i want to do 
so you know the idea of where you're coming from what is your mission and the motivation uh, the on the way their methods may uh, be a little different but their their driving force i think is uh, mostly uh, towards the betterment towards social impact towards the whole concept of people planet and uh, sustainability because of the just the mission that uh, they are looking at thank you thank you for that very soulful uh, you know recollection because that's where exactly the word sustainability is present in action and uh, you know in that thought word and action what we call as trikarana shuddhi in uh, you know selecting to be in uh, choosing to be in a humble office yes uh, as opposed to a grand yes. office yes yes supermarketing and all that yes yes so uh, so that brings me to the next question how did you go about identifying such people because uh, i as far as i can gather uh, most of them did not don't seem to be enjoying any media presence or coverage or even connections i doubt uh, so how did you go about identifying uh, these uh, you know cultural entrepreneurs So, and how um, did you how did you basically separate the genuine from uh, you know the not so genuine ones because it's so easy to uh, portray oneself to be an activist to be a climate change that's the buzzword uh, to be a you know climate change evangelist or whatever whatever so it's so easy to claim uh, you know climb up a moral pedestal and uh, you know keep lecturing people these days especially in this uh, era of social media yes. but uh, these people that you covered especially i liked uh, the sections the green knights and the temple sentinels i mean i like i loved all the sections including the one on me <laughs> but uh, you know what i see is very unique among these people is that uh, they are not claiming those moral pedestals and lecturing there they are someone who deeply understand the ways of life right at the ground level and instead of preaching each of them have chosen to uh, you know galvanize a small change that could uh, uh, you know cause uh, a ripple effect that they hope to cause a ripple effect and uh, make this planet better so how did you go about identifying these people? so um, sai surupa as you mentioned you are also in my book <laughs> and uh, i have uh, i chanced upon you uh, in one of the events that i had uh, i was attending <laughs> yes yes and um, it in iit and i heard you talk and i realized that the passion that you brought into your work and how um, you uh, from being from a different background took this up as a calling and used all the knowledge that you had while growing up to put together these series of books that could acquaint people to our ancient uh, puranic literature and not just that uh, the whole idea of uh, um, uh, feminism and women rights and uh, how from our perspective in our culture um as is very sustainable is is more i think equal and um, uh, is uh, directed at a more positive path forward than how it is in the western world and i think that um, 
such inspirations I was lucky to find with a lot of people I met. Of course, there have been many people who I did not cover in the book for various reasons. Uh, my number one, so I had two main criteria for filtering, if uh, we can call this <laughs> filtering. So one was the, the social impact that people were making uh, with their work. So it was not just, uh, like I said, a business uh, venture. And uh, there are many who are doing that uh, as well in this space. So there are a lot of people who are looking at it as uh, the new trend. So if there are a lot of uh, Ayurveda based uh, products coming out, okay, let me also start one and make some money. But I was looking at people who are genuinely inspirational. And that was through the social impact that they are doing with their work with the employees or the region that they're working in. So that was one criteria that I looked at. So if I look at textiles, then um, there are several um, entrepreneurs who are working genuinely to promote the specific um, region, uh, the, the craft of that region, rather than just be a marketplace where they are just sellers and buyers and, you know, just put the products on and get a profit or a margin from that. So that was one criteria. The second criteria, which was uh, slightly more from a business perspective, was also innovation. And I thought that it was important for people at profile in the book to have something different, something that differentiates them from the mass that uh, um, that is coming up. And that was also driven by a vision that a lot of them have. So it could be either new ways of uh, uh, marketing themselves or uh, getting across to people or technological platforms that they were using. So I looked at both these dimensions. And mm -hmm. My number one thing was just to have people who could inspire me. And I think that if uh, I felt inspired, I, I thought surely my readers would feel that too. So I, I was really very um, sure that I want people who had an inspirational story, uh, something that was more um, about uh, the mission, the, the purpose they had, rather than uh, looking at it as a business. That's uh, very, um, that's a lot of thought and uh, even uh, heart and soul put into the whole process. Uh, you know, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling inspired by I your know. journey of identification, uh, identifying these guys now. Uh, so people, uh, Kanyanika has, you know, made some interesting uh, categories of these cultural, cultural entrepreneurs. Uh, she has, uh, chronicled the journeys of uh, yoga entrepreneurs, Ayurveda entrepreneurs, and uh, the, the eyewear handloom, uh, the, the, she calls it hashtag eyewear handloom, the uh, entrepreneurs who celebrate traditional weaves and also make an enterprise out of it. The green knights, uh, I hope to focus a bit more on them. Uh, Rekindle, that celebrates uh, uh, entrepreneurs who are bringing back the past, the glorious past of India back to popular imagination. That's where uh, my humble story is also included. So thank you, Kandinika, for that. And there's soul food and temple sentinels. Uh, you know, it's so difficult to identify one favorite amongst all these. So each of the journeys is so unique and, uh, you know, there's something to take away. Uh, that way, this book makes a very, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a slow read, but it's a very impactful read for anybody who is just 
starting out in life or you know irrespective of the phase of life they are in uh, you know the book is a great companion a very impactful companion that stays with you so uh, kanika uh, before you we go into the categories each of these categories uh, could you share a bit about your publishing process because i have not heard a lot of books coming into this genre mm. uh so the publishing itself might have been a journey and also uh indic book club mentors and tries to bring together a lot of aspiring authors who uh, would be watching uh, our conversation right now or who would catch this on youtube later so something that uh, would help them to uh, you know get together their process so i in i was in my um, mind sure that i would uh, not think of publishing till i write the book because i wanted to not get affected by the demands of the publishing industry which you know is uh, very specific towards a certain kind of writing unfortunately though it is changing now and i see that publishers are open to new ideas and different ideas but yes um, uh, while i was writing i was aware that uh, a subject which celebrates and this is so unfortunate sai swarupa that a subject which celebrates india or a subject that celebrates the indian civilization or our hindu ethos if i can just call it that is not regard positive story about that is not regarded as interesting as something which is negative so you can um, get more access to publishing in case you write something negative than if you write something positive and that's uh, something that i didn't want to uh, bind myself with i wanted to uh, write uh, what i saw as a change a phenomena that was occurring where uh, indians uh, uh, young people like us after uh, the entire colonial period the period of uh, uh, slow economic growth which they termed as the hindu rate of growth for some reason the whole liberalization process and finally a self assured young indian who felt that they could uh, uh, actually own their own clothes their own attire their own food without feeling apologetic and i thought this was a story which had to be told and i was so conscious that this was not something that a publisher would be readily able to pick up so i didn't want to you know have that in my mind i went ahead with curating all these stories and bringing that new idea uh, that new theme that i thought was not mentioned earlier and um, uh, fortunately for me i contacted several writing uh, literary agents and uh, many turned me down as well i found access uh, through one to a publisher and i i, I thought that they realized that you know you cannot stop the uh an idea whose which uh, which has seen its time i mean there's there's an idea whose time has come we have seen this we are seeing this there is a change in the way people think about india now there's a change in how we think about our heritage now and uh i feel with the whole turmeric latte um, getting global and uh, yoga uh, becoming uh, fashionable uh, there is an acceptance with young people that they don't feel demoralized to do things which are a part of their heritage uh, it's it's a very positive movement Th these th ideas have uh, the potential to impact not just individuals but communities 
And if um, I can share that uh, when we talk about yoga, uh, usually in the West, it is a very elitist and urban upper middle class phenomena where you have these swanky yoga studios or you have smaller studios. It is uh, uh, done for with a lot of uh, movement and uh, high energy kind of thing. Most places there, what I have studied. But in India, we have even a small individual yoga teacher so open to going to a municipality school and in their free time, training the teaching yoga to the kids to help them meditate. And you know, the whole idea of uh, yoga here is uh, different. We, we have now started accepting it. And I see that's such a positive thing. There would be a little commercialization. I agree. There are a lot of critics which talk about commercializing of things and all that. There would be that. But I see at the core, even the most commercial of enterprises in heritage have such a deep connection with the, their own history, their own legacy. And, and that's something that I really wanted to write. Um, I thought that the publisher could see that passion uh, and uh, they did not ask me to alter anything in my book. I must commend them for uh, accepting uh, the idea as well as the writing and uh, how I have so unbashedly and so forthrightly claimed that these are aspects of our Indian Indic uh, culture, uh, which to me is synonymous with Hinduism. And, and there is absolutely no bones to make about that. So I am very glad that I could say all that. And I feel so satisfied that I could. Uh, and it's come out uh, in print like the way I intended it to. Sure, sure. So that's uh, very happy to note that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the readiness of this one publisher, uh, Bloomsbury, right? Uh, I know, I mean, the editing process is very professional with them and, uh, you know, you don't feel the intrusion upon the content and, uh, you know, there's a whole lot. So that's how editing needs to be that, uh, you know, seeks to highlight the author's original thought without applying, uh, you know, some kind of uh, you know, narrative intelligence or, uh, <laughs> or even market intelligence upon that. Uh, that's what uh, gives rise to you, gives rise to unique pieces of uh, literature, if I may say, Kanika. So now, uh, uh, before I go to my next question, uh, the participants can type in their questions in your in the chat window, and Karinika would be very happy to uh, you know take them on. And uh, if you don't have questions, I am very very happy you know to have my extra 15, 10, 15 minutes to ask her because this is one conversation which I can you know uh, enjoy. Uh, same same. <laughs> Uh, Kaninika, my one of my favorite categories amongst uh, um, your uh, you know, the, you know, all the sections that uh, you have uh, chronicled these uh, cultural entrepreneurs is the green lines. Each of these entrepreneurs, uh, again, as you said, uh, comes from a you know deep mission, uh, yes. deep commitment to a mission. And whatever change that they want to see in, you know, around them, like uh, the lady who was uh, very disturbed with the river pollution yeah. and started a, you know, sustainable enterprise of her, her own. 
right? Uh, one thing again I want to emphasize is that entrepreneurship as as someone uh, you know who has also worked with entrepreneurs, startups, and uh, venture capital, uh, entrepreneurs share that passion to bring uh, change in action without uh, you know guilt tripping uh, the world around them, right? So, uh, how was each of these uh, journeys when you chronicled each of the these green knight entrepreneurs. So how were they uh, different from these uh, activist climate change activist kind of um, people who you know claim that moral days and keep on guilt tripping every person because even on social media, yes, I yes. see. I mean, you know, just uh, you know, forget those five star activists. But even on social media, there is a lot of unnecessary virtue signaling. With and not enough actionable content. Absolutely. You know, there is some kind of an outrage manufactured against, say, some uh, road initiative, some uh, you know, some infrastructure initiative, or, or a factory somewhere, or uh, you know, something, and that effectively blocks a lot of economic activity. And at the end of the day, there is no solution to the existing problem of, uh, you know, the economic uh, uh, stalling that has happened in that. So how do you uh, see the solution is, I mean, I want uh, to hear about, uh, you know, from you about the whole solutionism that has guided uh, the Green Knights in your book. Yes. Um, so in my chapter, Green Knights, and you've read, uh, Sai Surupa, uh, I have uh, written about a small farmer in Uttarakhand, a female farmer who has a small land holding. Now she, for her to access, uh, to, uh, to get, uh, not just uh, be uh, environmentally sustainable, not use fertilizer. Oh, uh, Karika, sorry to interrupt you there. So please feel free to take names of these people. Because, sure. Uh, I feel, uh, I mean, I feel proud to give a platform to such uh, people and uh, uh, those viewing can, uh, viewing the program, uh, you can, you please uh, go through the whole book, uh, you know, Google about these uh, entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, you can probably, if you can, you can buy their produce or, you know, whatever. Uh, yes. yes. So, so do please uh, feel free to take their names uh, and. Uh, yeah. So, um. This uh, entrepreneur, uh, which uh, started this company, Soul Tree, I talked about that uh, in your uh, a few minutes uh, ago when we were talking as well. He was um, um, a merchant navy sailor, and he went to the Himalayas because he was so driven by sustainability and uh, environment. But when he went there, he realized that the only way to help these people, which is a small woman farmer in Uttarakhand somewhere with a small land holding is to buy their products, because otherwise, how do you help them if you don't give if you give them um, uh, money or grants, how far can it go for and they are also people who want to live a life of dignity. And the only way that you can help these people in a sustainable fashion is to connect it with enterprise, to connect it with business. 
So there are a lot of NGOs which work there and they purchase uh, some of the products from there. Uh, there are businesses which get connected to the NGOs and buy the products from the NGO, or there is direct link that the business person can have with a few farmers. But usually the route is through uh, some non-governmental organizations which are helping these farmers collecting their produce. For example, Amla, the Indian gooseberry, which is used in a lot of our products. It's uh, used in Chavan Prash. It is used in a lot of our products. Now, these trees, they are there with the small farmer somewhere in a remote village. And that farmer is collecting like kilos of that in on a yearly basis. But how does that person reach the market? So this connection, this wonderful connection happens through business. This is the only way that you can safeguard that environment. So you give them a little premium because it's organic and tell them that, okay, do not use fertilizers, give them an organic tag, and then uh, use that too. And it's such an interesting story with this because uh, in the uh, late 90s or early uh, millennium, uh, when this person, uh, Mr. Bhandari, he started this business of cosmetics, he did not make those products in India. He just used them, powdered them, made it into a raw material to be supplied to Europe for them to use it in their cosmetics. And this idea of having his own brand came when he realized that he was dependent, that little farmer was dependent on the purchasing demands of European people. And that European person would buy one month, not buy the other month, uh, maybe buy something one year, next year may not buy, but the poor farmer is dependent on the fickle mind of somebody who's not connected with them. And that is where his whole idea to start his own brand came that, okay, let me have a brand where every year I have to buy something from this person, make them, uh, make it sustainable for them as far as the income is concerned. And also for me, I can use my uh, business marketing skills to promote the product and gain a market, you know, so it is a very nice combination. I don't think that in today's economy, we can uh, go without exploiting uh, the marketing uh, of uh, and you know using marketing to gain new customers we have to do that and and if we can benefit people along the way we can benefit some of these small uh, farmers who are growing all these herbs and um, using uh, the using that ingredient for the products which is good for our skin and is uh, healthy that's a win-win situation <coughs> Oh, that's so relevant and uh, this win-win uh, attitude or win-win initiative is what we see missing in an organization that we know is about to go down. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, you know, I won't mention those big companies right now, but as somebody who study, who has studied business, uh, we know that, uh, you know, whoever, you know, has fallen has had a phase where somehow some selfish interest has overtaken a lot larger cause and uh, you know there's a natural uh, death of the product you know the the whole life cycle of the product expires when uh, you know this kind of selfishness overtakes i know there may be a brief uh, burst of success because of those uh, you know uh, initiatives and marketing and whatever uh, you know the, the 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 greed they have and the greed they inspire in others around them uh, there might be a burst of uh, short-term success but 
as you said the sustainability comes with that win win attitude yes. and uh, with that let me go to my next uh, question about uh, the other favorite category of mine that is the temple sentinels because it's now uh, you know uniting culture with enterprise is something uniting yoga ayurveda and uh, you know even handlooms because we are somehow consumers of yes. those area but uh, what uh, you know what inspired these temple entrepreneurs uh, i think because we go to pray and somehow uh, there is in somewhere in deep consciousness uh, we have separated commerce from temples again because every time somebody goes to a temple uh, you know and you know with a gap of 20 years they come and say yeah this that's that place is too commercialized it doesn't feel uh, uh, you know that <laughs> i don't get the feeling of that bhakti when i go to say you know this particular pilgrimage center now and all but uh, you know why i don't personally agree with such statements that has you know something to do uh, deep within us uh, but what was your uh, reading of uh, people of these uh, categories and what was uh, what did you find inspiring about each of them uh, and let me say my favorite is uh, temsitla in song who uh, uh, you know who is who i found so inspiring that uh, you know she ended up being a character in one of my novels <laughs> that's that's really amazing uh, uh, sai surupa to hear that she is inspiring people who are writing fiction as well and uh, it's it's definitely uh, her story is inspiration uh, inspirational uh, because she took on this challenge of cleaning the ghats in varanasi and to ensure that uh, people who come there get a more cleaner environment because that is such a spiritual place for yeah. us um now you know to answer your question about why i included and uh, what how i look at these uh, uh, the temples that i visited uh, i have seen across many temples in india that while we look down upon commercialization uh, several of these temples have patronized art forms for years for for centuries and that is in the south if you look at the tanjore paintings which yes. are uh, today um, you know a commodity which is bought and sold and that is probably what makes it survive so in today's times um, without a little commercial angle um, i doubt that something can survive because we do not have kings who can patronize we do not yes. have uh, and social organizations come with their own handicaps donors come with their own agendas and that is why unless something gets democratized in a way that it reaches people through enterprise it reaches people through a, a commercial venture it risks uh, uh, you know the possibility of it getting extinct becomes a little high uh so in my view if uh, we look at um, uh, some of these temples like the pichuai paintings uh, is in near udaipur or if we look at some of the other art forms that are uh, there with a lot of temples Uh, some artists or some business uh, minded individuals who are using it to promote that art are actually doing a great service yes. 
Yes. And um, it just helps the economy of the temple. It helps that town survive. So if we look at Kashi itself, the fact that Varanasi has seen this rejuvenation is because there are more people visiting. There, the people, the small vendor there finds a livelihood. He doesn't need to migrate out to in search of livelihood. And that is what makes the city living. Uh, so it may we may look at the crowds and say it's losing the a piece of that place but imagine if it was the other way around and there was nobody i mean how would that place survive how would that place get that element and who is the one to decide the balance i think we have um, uh, we need to understand that preservation is a is a goal good enough in itself we need to be um, uh, we need to ensure that a balance is maintained, but demonizing um, tourism or demonizing commercialism may not be the solution. So um, in my view, um, I see that uh, with uh, Varanasi, the whole rejuvenation is adding so much to the life of you know one person. There is one person who works with them, Sutla, a young boy. And yeah. I met him there on the ghats. He took me on the boat. He showed me Varanasi and there was so much pride. Imagine, and he said, I can never, I can never imagine five, 10 years ago that uh, Varanasi would change and this place would uh, uh, feel hope. It was a decaying kind of a place, you know, it was uh, getting dirty. There was nobody looking at it. Now there is a new spirit. There is a new life and that is what we want. We want that hope to be there so that these individuals don't um, tomorrow go to a Bangalore or a Mumbai and say there is nothing in our culture that is worth appreciating because uh, it's easy to, you know, uh, get uh, when you find no economic opportunities, it's easy to then uh, say that there is nothing that's coming out good from, uh, you know, my uh, heritage, if there are no economic opportunities, people tend to, uh, and that's happened with us uh, before the economic liberalization and our confidence in um, being uh, self-reliant. We were uh, looking at others for um, helping us out in economic situations across the world. And it does impact your self-confidence, your sense of identity. So I think economics is important for us to retain a certain self-identity. Uh, we need to ensure that our temples are places of uh, economic success uh, in some way so that they can inspire other people as well. So that's, uh, you know, uh, it just shows that you have really gone on the ground to uh, record each of these experiences and they have resonated with you, uh, Kaninika. So I... Uh, one is I, I cannot stop appreciating the whole initiative there and coming to the temples, I remembered a certain scholar uh, opine that a temple, uh, you know, from the whole, okay, there is a component of Prana Pratishtha and the deity being there, but a temple is also a real temple if it can sustain a minimum of 10 families around it. The bigger the temple, the bigger is the number of families it can sustain and the bigger is the chunk of economy it can sustain by itself and that is an economy which uh, does not have lows or uh, highs. I mean, you know, the pandemic has caused its own uh, ravaging of that whole uh, this one, but uh, uh, as it is, temples are something that 
sustain a lot a lot more of uh, economy and population that than we think uh, they do yes yes so that's uh, you know that's one and reason why i wanted to appreciate your Sorry? if i can add this they also sustain the uh, animals and they also sustain yeah. biodiversity so uh, the success of a temple with uh, uh, it getting a prominent place in a uh, uh, pilgrims map is important for the uh, other creatures which live in that temple you know and i've written that in my book about this temple in assam uh, which is the um, uh, which it has uh, uh, brought back this extinct species of turtles because in that oh, pond uh, that it's a, it's a hygriva madhav temple um, which is in uh, uh, hajo near assam uh, it's uh, an hour away from guwahati and the temple has a pond and it is uh, you cannot kill that anything any creature because it's a holy pond near the temple so that uh, there is one species which was thought to be extinct of turtles and they have found that species over there an ordinary man who is a parking attendant and a caretaker in that uh, of that pond has helped to um, you know incubate these eggs of the turtle because he started finding that these turtles were dying so he found that there was a wall which was causing the problem in breeding and he took it upon himself he is a case study in environmental uh, preservation and he is a simple man a devotee who is uh, just going by the uh, concept that all creatures need to be revered and this is something which i find so fascinating uh, because the uh, the now when uh, the devotees come uh, because it has become on the ecological map there's a special food that they uh, they ask the person so they, there's a place we can buy the turtle food not give them biscuits and bread and all that and the devotees are buying that there's a little vendor who's selling it and uh, they are feeding the turtles uh, the special feed which is good for them so there's entire uh, uh, sustainable ecological uh, project going on there in a small temple somewhere in a corner and that's uh, that's so amazing about our culture and these are stories we must talk about with the, our kids and with our uh, families so that they understand that uh, uh, you know we are uh, a part of such a, a system such a legacy that uh, it needs to be preserved for humanity exactly that's a, thank you for sharing that story it's something uh, i think i'm going to remember for long uh, makes me prouder about each of the temple that uh, you know that exists on this land uh, you know maybe we are just we don't know the whole uh, the whole basket of benefits that a temple brings in and uh, you know then there are these half baked uh, movies and narratives against temples and all uh, you know the, so yes. i just doubt if any of them have even done a ground level study on how a temple can positively transform so many lives you know including yes. human and uh, animals so uh, Uh, it will be unfair of me to take more time with my questions so i'll go to the audience questions now nishant limba limbachia uh, he wants to ask you namaste uh, he says namaste fantastic topic uh, i agree i want to uh, ask anika ji can you point out one structural or governmental change that entrepreneurs voiced 
or alluded to during your conversation with them something that would remove biggest hurdle for them um in my conversations so with people the focus was what we can do and what solutions we can bring uh, despite the hurdles and i found that uh, most of these people um, they were positive about the uh, various schemes that are coming up right now so if, even if it is make in india atmanirbhar or vocal for local it adds a lot of impetus to what they are doing uh, there um, in terms of hurdles i just uh, encountered such positive people that you know the idea of discussing something that cannot be done was not in the scope of our discussion so we were uh, you know in my interviews they were uh, talking about what they could do to help what is their uh, duty rather than uh, what is something that they can get and i think that is what differentiates uh, some of these uh, entrepreneurs from uh, uh, you know typical business minded individuals they it was more about what value can i add to my community or my people what is this what is it that i can do within the framework that is existing that can help people so they uh, i i think that's something that i um, encountered which is uh, very inspiring for me you know we we can you know look at 100 problems but i think even if we have one solution to help someone within our means we should uh, look at that rather than the problems okay thank you thank you for that uh, kadinika so actually nishan's uh, question uh, it popped up another question in my mind because you are into learning and development and you were in financial yeah. sector what do you see from that perspective what is your outlook on these enterprises because they are clearly not very starry eyed about investments and the typical uh, enterprise journey that happens in all your you know as described by your forbes and uh, you know the whole typical business magazines because they don't want to take that path what would be uh, your outlook for advice to each of these uh, cultural entrepreneurs that you have chronicled and those that you are still to encounter or probably those watching this program who want to take up a cultural cultural enterprise uh, so what would you uh, look at you know uh, state as outlook to this sector uh i think this is a sector which is very democratic in the sense that uh, rather than have 100 crore business uh they would have 10 uh, 10 crore businesses uh and uh, it just helps broad basing wealth it helps get more people into the economy and most of most of the cultural enterprises realize that uh, to be a mass market product they need to lose out on certain values which they don't want to give up and it's very dear to them so their um, the focus or the purpose of their life is not simply wealth generation for themselves it is the community aspect of it and when you have that as a purpose i think the outlook is uh, more uh, holistic it is more uh, uh broad and i think that is wonderful for uh, uh, societies to have that kind of a mission thank you thanks a lot for that uh, my last question uh, before uh, you know i don't know how the 
the hour passed it's 956 already yeah so uh, people who you who have uh, more questions please engage with us on uh, face on our facebook group so kanika i guess you are a part of the group right so do please uh, watch the uh, the space for some questions from our viewers right now as well as those who will uh, view it later on sunday and uh, you know later and uh, what might want to get in touch with you and uh, please keep answering uh, the those yes. queries and engage with the readers uh, readers do engage with kadinika here in our uh, facebook group indic uh, book club facebook group and please join and uh, be a part of these conversations so before we part tonight my last question kadinika is uh Is there, like do you want to what what is your journey beyond uh, uh you know indic question so is there another book with uh, more of such stories more such stories coming or where do you see yourself going uh i am um, tempted to uh, write another sequel if we can call it that uh, because there are many people i have met after this book was published and especially in um, uh, certain areas uh, certain uh, uh, you know i can i can look at a theme or if i can look at a region there are specific regional stories which are very inspiring and also i'm looking at trying to transform this into something for younger people so people who are uh, teenage or uh, you know in uh, their pre teens something that can help them understand because uh, even though there has been a transformation in society unfortunately a lot of our young children and uh, they are because of the kind of schooling and a very westernized uh, uh, media and uh, entertainment that they view they are they do not know a lot of uh, our indian uh, uh legends or uh, stories in um, a format that is uh, there are efforts but it is still limited so i i am hoping that i can do something in for that age group so they these are my uh, you know product uh, uh, ideas so that uh, i can uh, uh, think of uh, coming up with and uh, uh, putting forward for uh, readers uh, in the next uh, year or so and uh, of course i am uh, looking at constantly being a writer trying to juggle my work with some bit of writing uh, on the side so uh, i keep uh, looking at different um, ideas that could be my next uh, book beyond the indic ocean so uh, still working on a few of them that's nice to know and uh, your journey is, has been inspiring kanika and i wish you all the best uh, please bring us more such inspiring stories in all the formats you can and inspire the younger generation that you know so that they they experience that kind of a paradigm shift in the yes. way uh, you know our uh, education sector has forced us to think that needs a whole paradigm shift from uh, you know in the, especially those in the commerce as well as those in uh, uh, you know the humanities both of yes. them need to you know take a step together towards each other and uh, inspire change from the ground uh, so that's that's the transformation that i aspire to see and uh, you are doing your bit uh, wonderfully by making these kind of inspiring stories so wish you all the very best and uh, 
people viewers uh, please keep engaging with us uh, at indic book club facebook group uh, and various initiatives by indic academy uh, this whole program is brought to you by indic academy thank you thanks a lot kadinika thank you so much it was pleasure talking it was my pleasure was mine too <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much thank you so much